Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode number 25 of the Believe in Minnesota Football Podcast, presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert and Instagram at Tony underscore Liebert. That is T-O-N-Y-L-I-E-B-E-R-T. For today's episode... I'll be recapping the Gophers 18-6 guaranteed rate bowl victory over West Virginia. I will talk about wide receiver coach Matt Simon's continued success calling plays in bowl games, uh, the lack of passing in the second half, and uh, Daniel Falele's uh, remarkable touchdown run on the goal line. Uh, I'll also touch on Trey Potts announcing his return to the team and Western Kentucky transfer cornerback Beanie Bishop announcing his commitment late last week. All right. I was uh, gone last week and wasn't able to preview the bowl game because I, unfortunately, was out sick. But now I'm back, and let's just jump right into the Gophers' dominant, I guess, dominant 18-6 win over West Virginia. Um, I think the biggest takeaway was obviously the offensive line and running game uh, being their consistent selves on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the Gophers had 51 total carries for 249 and two touchdowns on the ground, coming out to 4.9 yards per carry. It was a great last game in a Gophers uniform for Daniel Falele, Blaze Andrews, Connor Olson, and Sam Schluter. It's uh, really good to see him go out on top like that after such a dominant season. Um John Michael Schmitz, the one returning offensive lineman, did suffer an injury um, in the first half. There's really not been an update on that yet, but obviously on the broadcast, he was shown with a walking boot. Um, uh, never want to speculate, but uh, I would assume if it was significant, the something would have been released by now, so... Hopefully he's good by next year because he would be a huge boost to the Gophers' offensive line uh, when he's good to go. He's one of the best centers in the Big Ten, if not the country. Um, but back to the offense line as a unit, they allowed only two sacks, which kind of both were Tanner's fault. Uh, one of them was on that flea flicker, I believe, and then the, another one was he was just holding the ball too long. So it was really a flawless performance up front. Great to see from uh, the the big fellas. Um, as for the passing game offensively, it was a it was another weird day passing the ball. Uh, in the first quarter, Tanner looked terrific. He was six of eight, eighty two yards, and it seemed like he was back to his old old self almost. But the rest of the game, he was only two of five for twenty seven yards. Uh, but the Gophers really didn't need it. So it's interesting 
again, and it, it really was nothing different than what has happened all year. Uh, but the running game kind of overshadowed, and they didn't really need uh, anything from the passing game. So I, I guess at the end of the day, it was a productive uh, performance in that area of the game. Um, but nevertheless, still a li little underwhelming. Um, but uh, as for the defensive side of the ball, uh, Joe Rossi continued to have have his uh, unit played high, high-level football. It was the seventh straight game the Gophers allowed their opponent under 300 total yards. Asesi Otomiwo might have had his best game of the season. Two sacks uh, looked great from the defensive end position. Uh, Coney Durr had a great encore performance for his, likely his final game in a Gophers uniform. Um, he might not have a long NFL career in, ahead of him, but I think he should go down as one of the more consistent cornerbacks ever in a Gophers uniform. And it, it was really a, a good cherry on top of a great career for him against West Virginia last night. Um, and Tyler Newbin, who was the defense player of the game, real might have had his best game in a Gophers uniform. Um, he had um, he had eight total tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, and a big pass breakup. Uh, he'll be a great uh, leader next year on the defense as he's back for another season. But uh, those three really stood out for an uh, all-around dominant performance from the defense. Um, and then my last big takeaway was the game was played at the Gophers pace. Uh, PJ clearly wants to control the tempo of the game, have long possessions, and uh, rely on his defense and running game. And it kind of seemed like they were able to do that just right after the first drive. There were some early mistakes but once uh, Falele was able to get in the end zone, it, it almost seemed like the game was over then, which is weird because West Virginia came down and scored. But it just really didn't seem like they were threatening much at all, especially after that scoring drive they had. It just seemed like the Gophers were really able to play at their own pace. As for the offense specifically, so Tanner Morgan ended... Uh, the day 8 of 13 for 109 yards and an interception. Um, that one interception was almost solely on the field conditions because Mike Brown Stevens slipped and the West Virginia uh, defensive back was able to make a play on the ball. Uh, the field positions or conditions were something else. Uh, really, I guess, like peak bowl season, it just made zero sense why uh, they were playing on a muddy field in a baseball field in the middle of December in Arizona while there's a roof on the field. But uh, the, the, I think the guaranteed rate bowl uh, figured out that they might not want to open the roof next year when it might rain. But uh, that's besides the fact. Uh, obviously, Tanner got sacked twice, like I said earlier. Uh, both those he kind of held onto the ball for too long, but it was his first game without Mike Sanford Jr. since the 2020 Outback Bowl, which again was with Matt Simon calling plays at that time. Um, and I, I 
it might not have been pretty for Tanner at the end of the day as he really wasn't asked to do much outside of that first quarter. But I think the most the big, my biggest takeaway was he looked comfortable. Uh, it just looked different than it did all season. He looked like himself. He, he didn't put up the same numbers he did in 2019, but he looked uh, like just watching on TV. He looked like he was in the moment and he looked confident and comfortable. Something I personally haven't really seen the last two seasons with Mike Sanford Jr. calling plays, and it will be interesting to see how different that looks next year with Kirk Soraka. But uh, it w- I thought Tanner played well. Uh, it was kind of a Tanner performance, and it really, I guess, exemplified all season, uh, having so much, su- such few yards, but making f- so few mistakes. Um, but I thought he played well. As for the running backs, uh, Kai Thomas had 21 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Bucky Irving had 19 carries for 129 yards. And Daniel Falele had that uh, touchdown run in the first quarter. Um, Kai and Bucky continue to really show how talented of running backs they are. Uh, it'll be really, really interesting to see how the running back room looks next season with all the talent coming back. But uh, I just can't see how you can keep Kai and Bucky off the field for that long. They are some two very talented running backs that deserve to continue to get ca- getting carries. I They're just too talented to not. And uh, they just really ran all over a pretty solid, not anything to write home about, but a pretty solid West Virginia defense. Um, as for the pass catchers, uh, Dalen Wright really stood out to me. If you listen to this podcast or know me, you know I'm a big Dalen Wright fan. Uh, he's just uberly talented at the wide receiver position. He had two catches for 58 yards, which was his most in a game since week two against Miami of Ohio. Uh, he's such a talented player. Uh, his yards per catch totals are going to end up right around 20 on the season, which is just a terrific number. And it's just great things happen when he gets the ball. And I, I, I really hope next year under the new offensive system that he continues getting looks because he is just a great football player. Um, as for everyone else, Daniel Jackson had a team-high six targets. He had three catches for 19 yards. Kind of a consistent game we've gotten to know from him. Uh, very Daniel Jackson-type stat line, I guess. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, uh, oddly enough, only had two targets. West Virginia clearly made it a focus to uh, cover him and take him out of the game, and he was only able to get one catch for 16 yards. Uh, but like I said, the passing game really wasn't relied on much after the first quarter so it was hard to get him involved if they wanted to even and then uh mike brown stevens and Derek LeCaptain also had a catch for uh a l- five and 11 yards respectively uh but i i thought it was a great day from the pass catchers again in a game that they weren't really asked to do too much uh as for the boys up front the offensive line like i said it was a a dominant game after a dominant season um, it was a great on-court performance for all those veteran guys moving on. 
Uh, I thought the tight ends, Coquift and Brevin Spanford, were terrific in the run game, like always. And I thought Nathan Bowe did a terrific job replacing John Michael Schmitz at center. Um, with with Michael Schmitz returning uh, next season, Bo obviously will not likely be playing center, but he, I would assume he'd be the clear backup if there were if he were to go down. But I think uh, Bo really made made an impression that uh, I would be shocked if he was not one of the five starters next year. I would assume he'd move to one of the guard positions, but I I was really impressed with how he played all day. And it was just a great all-around performance from the offensive line. Um, last thing I want to touch on offensively uh, was it's the time of possession that uh, the Gophers have grown to use. Uh, it really seemed like uh, after they they stopped, uh, so West Virginia scored their first touchdown, and it was eight to six. And it kind of just seemed like after that, the Gophers almost just moved into their four-minute offense, which is so weird because it was like the second quarter at that point. And it's almost like the Gophers and P.J. Fleck want to do that. Uh, It's almost like watching a service academy team. Like I watched Air Force earlier in the day. Uh, They're a team that just dominates time of possession, loves to run the ball. And the Gophers were third in average time of possession this season, only behind Army and Air Force. And in their bowl game, Air Force had more passing, their quarterback had more passing yards than the Gophers. And, like, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's just... P.J. Fleck clearly wants to control the ball, rely on his run game, rely on his defense... But he's taken it to such an extreme where it's it's almost like you're watching Army or Navy. Like, I said in the second quarter, it almost seemed like they went into their 4-minute 0, but definitely the whole second half. It's just, like, passing it on, or running the ball on 3rd and 5, like, every single time. It's just weird. It's a weird thing to do when you have a veteran quarterback who did, is who is two seasons removed from throwing for 30 touchdowns and 3,000 yards. And you have talented wide receivers, and you have a an offense that can be explosive. It's just a weird uh, thing to watch. Uh, when you have such a good offensive line, it's going to work like it did for much of this year, but it really limits your uh, margin for error, which we saw in the Illinois, the Bowling Green, and the Iowa games. Um, but it was really, I thought, against West Virginia, taken to another extreme that uh, with only five pass attempts in the last three quarters, it it was like watching Air Force or Army. But uh, like I said, I, that's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Uh, it just might be what the Gophers are now. Uh, I, obviously, I would assume that Matt... Simon is a different play caller than Kirk Soraka, but I would assume that they're also similar in some ways. Um, but that'll definitely be an interesting thing to look out for heading into Soraka's first season back as play caller in 2022. Um, but as for the defensive side of the ball, there's just really nothing to complain about on that. And continued dominance from Joe Rossi and his unit. 
uh, up front on the defensive line, like I said, Asesio Tamiwo made a huge impression um, heading into draft season. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl in February, and I think that was a terrific game for him to end on for his college season, and I think he uh, could be, with a good pre-draft process, he could be a guy that rises up uh, boards. Like, he's a talented, talented pass rusher, and I think that... uh, a two-sack, three-tackle game that he had uh, against West Virginia could go a long way in doing so. Uh, Boye Mafe played great, finished the season with seven sacks, kind of one of his consistent games. He made plays. Uh, he's for sure going to be get drafted in, uh, in March. Um, and then as for uh, the youth that showed up, I thought retro freshman Ja Joyner, um, when... Otomiwo went down with an injury for a little bit. He Joiner jumped in and had a sack. He really impressed in my eyes. Um, and I think he should have a big role next season with Micah Du Treadway and Niles Pinckney moving on. I think him and Trill Carter are going to be the the two guys up front on the interior. Um, and he sh- he should he has definitely showed the talent like. As only going to be a redshirt sophomore next year, like he's got the skills to be a great player, and I, it's exciting to see uh, young guys like him step up. As for the linebackers, uh, Jack Gibbons and Mariano Sarimaran are why this defense became so dominant. Their consistent play, very few mistakes, their leadership—it just really holds together all three. Uh, levels of the uh of the team on defense and uh it was no different against the Mountaineers uh Braylon Oliver I thought played great as a number three option and he's another uh young guy who should have a big role next season with both those linebackers moving on and I think he has all the talent and skills to uh hopefully not skip much of a beat at that position and I thought he played well against West Virginia last night uh, as for the defensive backs, like I said, Coney Durr had a terrific final game in a Gophers uniform. He should go down as one of the more consistent players at his position. Uh, Justin Wally played very well. Uh, didn't hear much about him on the broadcast, which is always good for a cornerback. Uh, Tyler Newbin probably had his best game of the season. He'll be back next year. Uh, some great momentum as he will be one of the leaders on this defense. And sophomore Michael Dixon was another young player who kind of made a good audition for more playing time heading into next season as he uh, brought home an interception. Um, but as a unit, Joe Rossi is just a, a, a madman as a defensive coordinator in the best way possible. Uh, the Gophers really had a questionable 2020 and there uh, were a lot of questions heading into this year. Of how, is the defense going to respond? Are they going to be able to carry this team? Because uh, it's hard for a P.J. Fleck team to succeed without a good defense. Like I said, he likes to uh, control time of possession, and that's really hard to do when your defense isn't playing well. Um, after he... Rossi answered all the questions heading into this year, and now, now he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I would assume this time last year uh, there were not as many people as there are now who are saying that he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, and he's it's the 
the hype is real and the praise is well deserved. He is developed into a terrific play caller on that side of the ball. All right, so the Gophers now finish the season nine and four. It is their fourth nine-win season in 100 years of the program, and PJ Fleck now has two of them, which came in the last two seasons. Um, obviously, uh, it, it was a disappointing season with losses to Bowling Green, Illinois, and Iowa. Uh, all games that they could have won, should have won two of them at least. Honestly, should have won three of them. Um, but this program's in a great spot, and they're nationally relevant. And that's really all you can ask for. If we go 9-4 and four and win our bowl game every year, uh, I, it, it, that that is a spot that I'd like to be in as a Gophers fan. Um PJ Flex now three and zero in bowl games with the Gophers. It just you can't really ask for much more as a fan. Um, I know I personally, uh, growing up, I'm only twenty years old, but I would get really frustrated watching Wisconsin and Iowa have nine and four seasons because there's no reason why the Gophers can't. They have the resources, they have the talent in the state of Minnesota. They have a big school. There's no reason why this can't be an average season for the Gophers. Uh, like, this this should be the expectation. A 9-4 and four season. Anything more is great. Anything less is a little disappointing. This should be the expectation. This is a great season of Gophers football. And there's no reason why they can't do it all over again next year. Um, but uh, before I let... Before I end this up, I would wanted to touch on Trey Potts announcing his return. I wasn't able to do that uh, due to the one-week hiatus of the show. Uh, but he was uh, at the bowl game. He was not in pads. Um, he is expected to play in 2022. Obviously, don't know how much that will be. Um, I think... At the highest, he kind of falls in that that four spot on the depth chart. I personally believe, with such a significant injury that he had, uh, I think at the highest he falls behind Mo, Kai Thomas, and Bucky Irvin. Um, I don't really expect him to be used that much early in the season next year. I obviously am not a doctor, and I obviously. Uh, don't know how he's recovered, but with such a significant injury, I can't imagine they're going to rush him back into the fold. And uh, he could recover well in the off season, but with so much talent ahead of him, uh, he would. I would assume that he would really have to impress to jump any of those three in front of him. And then with Bryce Williams coming back from injury and true freshman Zach Evans entering the fold, uh, there's just so much talent in the running back room. I. I just don't know why the Gophers would rely on a guy like him when they have so much talent. But uh, depth, depth is obviously a strength of this group, but it's it only is if you use it. And I think if the, the Gophers are able to utilize the depth that they have at the position, uh, this offense could really even take a, another step forward next season. Um, as for Western Kentucky transfer cornerback Beanie Bishop. 
committing to the Gophers late last week. Uh, I, it's a, a big addition to a position group that uh, is lose, losing one of its mainstays for the past four seasons with Coney Dirt. Um, Bishop obviously joins Abilene Christian transfer Ryan Stapp, who will likely slide right into that starting cornerback role alongside Justin Wally. Uh, but I, I think Bishop could be the starting uh, slot cornerback, the number three guy. He played a lot of nickel corner um, for the Hilltoppers, and he's kind of got that build, five foot ten, um, one eighty five. Uh, everything you kind of want in a slot corner, and I see no reason why he can't play that with the Gophers. Um, he appeared in thirty six career games for Western Kentucky. He had 76 career tackles, 8.5 for a loss, 12 passes defended, 3 picks, a forced fumble. And in 2021, he was uh, an all-conference performer at cornerback in Conference USA, and he was also an honorable mention at kick returner, an area where the Gophers certainly have plenty of room to grow in 2021. Um, But I I think if he's the starting slot and then Ryan Stapp and Justin Wally are ahead of him, uh, the Gophers obviously have Terrell Smith, Jalen Glaze, Stephen Ortiz behind them. So a position that really had a lot of questions heading into the offseason with both Stapp and Bishop now committed, it really uh, answered a lot of those questions and a lot of those holes. Um, So this, I think, is a big commitment for the defense and a good start to the transfer portal period, I guess, this offseason. I think that's all I got for today's episode. As always, I appreciate you listening. Um, I will likely be back to regular uh, Monday scheduled episodes next week, kind of have an offseason preview show maybe, dive more deep into some uh, what the roster look like, some big offseason storylines, um, but uh, I appreciate you listening, and row the boats, sky you ma, and go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.